Evening, everybody. Uh, do keep uh, your Bibles open in front of you. That will hopefully be really helpful so you can follow along and see that what I'm saying is what God's Word is saying. I wonder if you've ever uh, had this experience. In fact, I'm sure you've had this experience uh, in life where someone's asked you a question and you've just thought to yourself, that's, that's a daft question. Like, uh, how many marshmallows do you think it would take to fill a whale? Or, or, or how many chickens do you think it takes to kill an elephant? Or is cereal soup? Just go a bit deeper there. Think about it. Or, uh, or, or if you're at a restaurant and you're waiting for the waiter, doesn't that make you the waiter? Uh, now, those are all genuine questions I've been asked in life. Uh, I lead a pretty bizarre life, as you can tell. Um, uh, and I couldn't really care less about the answer, so I am pretty intrigued about the one about the whale. Uh, but Ecclesiastes asks us a similarly daft question this evening that, that mustn't be shrugged off quite so easily. Here it is. Do you want to be wise, or would you rather be a fool? I mean, silly question, isn't it? Of course you'd rather be wise. Who'd want to be a fool? Problem is, you are a fool. And if you think I'm being insulting there, let me just say, I am a fool also. The Bible makes it really clear. One, the folly is to live as if God doesn't exist. Psalm 14 verse 1 says, The fool says in his heart there is no God. And two, we are all born fools. As Proverbs 22, verse 15 says, folly is bound up in the heart of a child. Uh, No one just sort of grows into folly. It's there, right from the beginning of life, inside every one of us. Do you see? Living wisely is a lot harder than we think. Because inside our hearts, from the cradle to the grave, there is this desire to, to live without God, to live independently of Him, trusting in our own words and wisdom rather than in the God who is the source of all wisdom. Which is why the preacher, this fellow who uh, wrote this book, Ecclesiastes, we've been looking at this term, he keeps urging us through the book to see that God's wisdom is better, better than the folly in our hearts. And here in chapter 10, he does that by warning us that the little folly, just a little bit of folly, can make your life stink. Do you see that there in verse 1? Dead flies make the perfumer's ointment give off a stench. So a little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. Bible times, it took a, a lot of skill and a lot of knowledge and a lot of time to create sweet-smelling perfume. And they made it in these big kind of vats. So just imagine you put in all that hard work and then don't, you leave the lid off. It doesn't take many little bugs to get in there and to die and then start decomposing in there for the whole vat, the whole bottle to smell disgusting. That's the point the preacher is making here. It takes far less to ruin something than it does to create it. So you can live a pleasant and trouble-free life and and build up a reputation of being someone who is is a good person, who's smart and kind of together sort of guy or gal. But then, 
Just one bad decision. Just one momentary lapse of judgment. And you can ruin your future prospects. Tarnish a successful career. Bring heartache into a marriage and destroy a family. All you have to do is let your anger run out of control for a moment and punch that one person who's winding you up. All you have to do is tell that one lie, which then grows and builds out of all proportion. All you have to do is take that drug one time. All you have to do is tumble into bed with that one person. In a reckless impulse, with the encouragement of all of your friends standing by, going, oh, everybody does it. And something beautiful, something unique and precious, namely, your virginity can be lost, gone forever. It doesn't take much folly to make your life stink. And verse 2 points out that when we stumble, well, in any of those kind of ways, it is ultimately an issue of our hearts. A wise man's heart inclines him to the right, but a fool's heart to the left. Now, that's not a political statement if, you just want, if you're worried about that. The Bible doesn't take sides politically. And neither should it make those of you who are left fat-handed feel a little bit got at. No, in the Bible, generally speaking, to incline to the right is to move towards being with God and wanting to serve him. Whereas to go to the, to the left is to, to go your own way and to bow down to no one. So, so we could put this verse like this. We could translate it like this. We could say a wise person's heart leads them towards what is right, but a fool's leads them astray. So if you want to be wise, if you don't want to be a fool, then spend more time in God's wisdom, in God's word, absorbing it, soaking it into your life. Let me give you a little demonstration of that here with this, um, with this tea bag. It's a bit like this tea bag. The more time the tea bag spends being dunked into the water, the more it changes the color of the water, doesn't it? And that, that, that's the same thing that happens to our hearts when we, we dip God's wisdom into it. The more we dip his wisdom into our heart, the more it changes the color of our heart. So, so we go to church on a Sunday and we, we, we sing God's word put to music in our worship. And that's what's getting soaked, dipped into our hearts. And then, then we hear God's word preached. And more of, of God's word is wisdom. His truth and his grace is being, being dipped into our lives. And then we'll, well, some of us are going to roll out after this service into encounter, into the, the new 20s and 30s focus group. I don't quite know what we're calling that. But, but, but we'll go to that. And, 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 or later on, for some of, the, some of us later on in the week, we'll, we'll go to midweek group and we'll have that chance to wrestle with God's word with others and apply it to ours and, and others' lives. And, and again, we're dipping more of God's wisdom into our lives. And, and we get up tomorrow morning. We start the day, we open, I hope we start the day by getting God's word open in front of us, letting it set the agenda for that day for our week. Maybe going over what we've, we've looked at today. 
going, Lord, put more, more of your wisdom into my heart. Help me reorientate my life towards you. Recolor me <laughs> to make my heart just, just bleed your word. And then coming home, we'll maybe put our earbuds in. We'll, we'll, we'll put some Christian music on. And again, we'll, we'll soak in God's truth into our hearts. So we'll go for a run on Tuesday. Well, some of us will who can still run. Let's, let's, be, let's be realistic about this. One's hips and knees do not thank one for a run these days. Uh, but some of you might do that. And you'll put on a talk, a, a podcast, or, a, or listen to a Christian talk. And again, you're dipping more of God's truth. And, and do you see what's happened? Do you see what's happened? That's what it's like when... Our, our hearts, God's wisdom gets, gets, gets taken deeply into our hearts, day in, day out, week in, week out. It changes the way that we view our world. It changes the way that we make our decisions. We go about life. So in that moment of temptation, when, when we get tunnel vision and all we can see before us is the pleasure that could be ours, and we easily just forget about the, the months and the years and the lifetime of consequences afterwards. God's wisdom will be lodged there in our hearts and it will hopefully help us to zoom out and see the whole story of where this sin might lead and go the right way, go God's way. James 1 verse 5 tells us, if any of you lacks wisdom... You should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. What if we woke up every morning we prayed this prayer. Oh, please God, help me this day to become more wise, to become more like you. Help me to be wise in these situations where I, I just I look into the day ahead and I just don't know quite what to do, how to react. Help me to be wise there. Or, 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 or in this situation where I find it hard to go your way, I know it's coming at me today. Help me to be wise and go your way. How might that change our whole life if we started every day with that goal and that expectation in our minds and more importantly, in our hearts? Well, the rest of chapter 10, the rest of this chapter, the preacher shows us, shows us how it might change us as he gives us multiple examples of how God's wisdom helps us in the nitty-gritty decisions of daily living. So one, God's wisdom helps us avoid making things worse when people are angry with us. Look at verse 4. We see that there. If the anger of the ruler rises against you, do not leave your place, don't leave your post, for calmness will lay great offenses to rest. So the preacher's got in mind uh, uh, the foolish pride of someone who, who gets treated badly and they go off in a huff. <laughs> Heard uh, about a guy who did that once. He was in a, in a team meeting at work and his boss got all worked up in the meeting and started unloading on, on him and his work colleagues. And he just decided in that moment, enough is enough. I'm not putting up with this anymore. And so he just stood up and went, I'm done. And he just walked out, slamming the boardroom door after him. <sighs> it felt so good in the moment. Until he got the lift down to the lobby. 
So he was heading out of the building, having actually gone to his desk and cleared his stuff. And he suddenly remembered that that really expensive pen that his wife had given for Christmas was still sitting upstairs in the boardroom. And he couldn't leave without it. So he got back in the lift, up to the boardroom. Um, I, I, uh, I, um, left, um, I, I just left my pen. Everyone just looking at him. No one said anything. And he took the pen and he went out the door. And he said, as the door creaked closed behind him, it sounded to him like it was all, all it was saying was, fool, 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 fool. Have you ever got yourself in trouble with how you've reacted to someone who's got angry and upset with you? I'm sure we all have. Because how is it that we usually react when someone gets angry with us? We get angry back, don't we? We often do that. And getting angry never accomplishes anything good. So the wise person disciplines themselves by God's spirit not to lose their cool. Better to have a calm answer when someone gets angry with you and have only one person in the huff rather than two. Proverbs 15 verse 1 says, A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. That's intensely practical wisdom from God's word, isn't it? But you might be thinking, yes, Ken, but you don't know what they did. How am I supposed to keep calm when they did that? Well, the preacher isn't saying that we won't have reasons to get angry. I know he knows what it's like to live in this world under the sun. And he knows that there are evils that it's right to feel angry about. Like the injustices of verses 5 and 7. These verses, actually, they seem to us a great reversal of fortunes with the, the rich being humbled and the slaves on horseback and, and princes having to dismount and walk. But, but remember, this was written in a different era uh, before all of the, the, the horrors of the slave trade. And so the, the pa- picture that's actually been painted here is of unqualified and under-resourced people being put into inappropriate and crucial positions of leadership. Apparently, having fools in government is not a new thing. But even though it might be right to get angry about it, the preacher's basically saying, why would getting mad and throwing your toys out of the pram, what what, what would that accomplish? Except only to make things worse. Because if you respond based on your emotions in the moment, you probably won't respond very well. So so what if we added this prayer to the way we start our day? Lord Jesus, I know there'll be tense moments this morning, this this day, this morning, this afternoon, this evening. If someone gets angry with me, please help me to be patient. Please help me to find kind and gentle words. Please give me kind and gentle words so I can respond in a way that will diffuse other people's anger. And mine too. How might it change our entire life to pray that kind of prayer every morning and, and incline our hearts towards God's wisdom? And secondly, God's wisdom can protect us from the pitfalls of everyday life. 
as in verses 8 and 9, the preacher gives a, a list of, well, everyday activities from the ancient world. You may not relate to them, uh, but he shows us that, that basically <laughs> digging holes, breaking down walls, quarrying stones, even splitting logs can get you hurt in this fallen world of ours if we're not careful. Because verse 10, if the iron is blunt and one does not sharpen the edge, he must use more strength. But wisdom helps one to succeed. Do you get the picture? <laughs> the fool say, oh, I can't be bothered to sharpen the ox. Come on, here, just give it here. Shh, shh, just let me get on with it. And so he sets about bashing the wood and it just he's hammering, beating away and wood's just chipping and splintering and kind of going everywhere. He's making the most incredible mess. And uh, his muscles are aching and there's perspiration going down his brow and his back. And yeah, any sensible person can see as they look at him that, that if it only had just taken five minutes, just a handful of minutes, just to sharpen the axe first, then the wood would be all ch- chopped <laughs> and, and with half the effort. And he could easily be sitting now with his feet up and a cup of tea watching traitors. Folly rushes ahead when it should take a moment. But then folly delays and holds back when it should proceed. As in verse 11, we have this comedic picture of the fool who decides that he is going to do something, or he's going to go to the bazaar and do something bizarre. That is, make a living out of snake charming. So he's got the snake in the basket and he goes and he, and he puts the, the snake in the basket down and then goes, right, right, hold on, I'll just get ready. Now? Sorry, now? You're going to start getting ready? So he's looking for his flute and where did I, where did I put that? Where did I put the flute? But he's so daft, he's probably left it at home because he didn't check before he came out. And so while he's getting ready, the snake gets so angry from being all cooped up that it pokes its head out and bites Mrs. Jenkins, who's been waiting for the show to begin. And if the serpent bites before it is charmed, there is no advantage to the charmer. It's going to be very difficult for this guy, having done more harming than charming, to do any charging. So I know that's a bit cheesy, but... Basically, he's not getting any money. You can see, he's not getting any money from this. And you get the message from these two little vignettes, don't you? Be prepared. Get ready for what you've got coming up in life. Don't pitch up thinking you can blag it. It might sound boring. It might seem like such a chore for you. And all you want to do is watch TV and chillax. But generally speaking, preparation is part of the recipe for success in life. You see, life's like a minefield. And every step you take, there are potential pitfalls or problems. But God's wisdom is so, so practical. It's like a map that shows us how to stop blowing ourselves up. And it keeps our footsteps firm. And thirdly, God's wisdom can keep us from getting ourselves in trouble with our big fat mouths. Maybe that's just me. I'm sure that's some of us. Have a look at verse 12. The words of a wise man's mouth win him favor, 
but the lips of a fool consume him. That's quite a picture, isn't it? Someone being eaten by their own lips. And it happens, remember, not because the fool is stupid, but because they refuse to begin with God. They say in the heart, they say in the heart, there is no God. So it's no surprise that, to find that the words that come out of their mouth, they, verse 13, they begin being folly. Just a little bit of folly. But then they end up as evil madness. The folly of ignoring God in the world that he made will only grow if you don't turn back to him. If you don't put your mouth under his lordship, your words will get more and more morally corrupt to the point that you end up calling God's good ways evil. And your own bright ideas, wicked though they may be, you, you start saying, oh, no, no, this is good. This is the right way. In fact, you so, become so full of yourself that with God out of the picture, your words are the most important ones. So you want them to just fill the airwaves. And so verse 14, the fool multiplies words. They talk and they talk and they talk. They think they know best about everything. They think they have the answer to all of life's big questions. But verse 15, here's the reality. He does not know the way to the city. They can't even help people with the simplest directions in life because they're not going God's way. When I was at university, I took a class with, I had two professors who would kind of tag team the class and they're both absolutely, utterly against anything Christian. So they would take turns in mocking Christians and what we believe. Now, these professors were extremely smart guys. They each had two or three degrees. But they also had between them five divorces. How do I know that? Because they talked in every single class about those divorces, joking about what terrible husbands they were and how horrific these marriages had been, as if that was something to be celebrated. It was so sad. You see, academically, in the world's eyes, these guys were super smart. They filled lecture theaters to listen to their words. But they weren't wise enough to do everyday life because they didn't want to listen to God's words. They just thought the only words that mattered were their own. Soak your heart in God's wisdom. And you can fill your mouth with good and gracious and true and kind and generous words rather than get tripped up by a little folly that then grows and makes your life stink. Then fourthly, finally, God's wisdom can keep us from ruining our life with laziness. One final dip. We're not going to make it all the way to chapter 20, I'm afraid. I'll run out of time. But, but we'll go to chapter, verse, uh, sorry, sorry, chapter 20, verse 20. But here's verse 16 to 18. Woe to you, O land, when your king is a child and your princes feast in the morning. Happy are you, O land, when your king is the son of the nobility. And your princes feast at the proper time for strength and not for drunkenness. Now, what's all that about? 
Hopefully you're still with me. You're still with me? If you live in a country in which immature, undisciplined, which, uh, sorry, if you live in a country that has immature, undisciplined leaders, a country where your leaders spend more time partying than getting on with the job in hand, a country in which your leaders are selfish and lazy, well then woe to you, says the Bible. That's, that's tough. That's really going to be rough to live with. You see, laziness is one of the clearest forms of foolishness because laziness focuses just on the now, what's in front of you, instead of looking at the future consequences. Which is why in verse 18, <laughs> the house leaks and it falls apart because, <laughs> because those in charge of the house, those in charge of the country, they, they weren't doing the basic maintenance when they should have done. And so now the whole thing is just falling apart. So here's a good test of seeing how wise or foolish you are. Apply this to yourself. Ask yourself, how much do I mess around when I should be working? How much do I put off doing the hard things just to do the easy things? Leave them till later so they come back and bite me on the behind. And how often do I find that that, that that happens, that I get found out for not doing the work when I should have done or for not having started soon enough? Folks, a little folly, just a little, can make your life stink. That's the warning here, a loving warning from God's word. For folly is disobedience to and rebellion against the wisdom and the will of God who has made you and who loves you and who sustains you and who will finally one day assess you and the life that you have lived. And the problem, you remember, is that we begin our lives with folly. We're not morally neutral, whereby we can choose to embrace wisdom or, 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 or fall into folly. No, the very fact that we distrust God so much is a symptom of that. So what should you do? What should we do? We're all part of the problem. And the solution is to turn to Jesus, who the Bible describes as wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Turn to him and cry out to him this evening and every day and say, Lord Jesus, I'm so foolish. I don't readily listen to your word. I don't often want to pick it up and read it or hear it preached or sing it. I don't listen to my boss. I don't listen to my teachers. I, I don't want to listen to my parents when they try to give me this wisdom. I often just don't want to listen to anyone but myself. Please forgive me and give me your grace that I might see and know your truth and your light in my life. And the promise of the Bible is that the person who cries out in that way, for them, God absolutely promises to grant you that. He will make you wise if you ask him. And he will direct your paths away from folly into his paths of righteousness now and forevermore.
So why don't we pray to him. It would help us do that. Let me pray for us. Now, a little moment of quiet to kind of digest and, and think that through for ourselves in terms of how it lands with us. And then I'll pray for us. Father in heaven we are more foolish more sinful than we would like to admit and yet more loved than we could ever imagine we thank you for Jesus we thank you for his cross and his resurrection which saves and delivers us from our folly and our sin and we thank you for the intensely practical wisdom of your word Lord which you freely give to us to help us and protect us from so many of the problems and challenges we face in life. Father, Father, I pray for all of us this evening that we would incline our hearts to you and study and, and soak ourselves in your wisdom that we will apply your wisdom prayerfully to our daily lives and flourish and reflect you in all your glory as a result. We pray this for our good and your glory in Jesus' name. Amen.